This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and crazy cat lover. And as you all know, I love having this show as an opportunity to expose all of my listeners to the best information about how to take the best care of their feline friends. And something I get asked about frequently is vaccination. So today I have invited Dr. Tina Bearden to come and speak with me about vaccines and what they are and what they do and how you should choose and whether or not you should vaccinate your cat and just all the stuff, the scoop on vaccinations. So we'll be right back with Dr. Tina Bearden after a quick break. Kitty Poo Club reinvented the litter box. No more scrubbing that stinky plastic tray. Or worrying, oh my God, do my guests smell that? No cleaning, no scrubbing, no more stink. You are going to love it. Your cats are going to love it. Go to kittypooclub.com and when you order, save 30% on your first auto ship. Visit kittypooclub.com, use code meow30 at checkout and join the club, the Kitty Poo Club. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. As I said, I have Dr. Tina Bearden here with me today to talk about vaccinations. Welcome, Dr. Bearden. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm kind of excited because this is something that I feel like I hear a lot in my exam room and possibly not in my exam room because people don't think that their cats need to see me and need to get vaccinated. So can we just sort of start at the ground level and talk about how do vaccines even work? Sure. I'd love to talk about that. I wish you could see my face because While you were talking, I was nodding the entire time in agreement. Let's talk about vaccines. So vaccines are essentially a way for us to expose the body to an infectious agent, whether that's a bacteria or a virus, or even a piece of a bacteria or virus. It's a way for us to expose the body to that so it can make antibodies and be prepared if the infection actually happens to us. Without vaccines, essentially, our body takes some time to ramp up that immune response. And you can imagine while the body's trying to mount an immune response, which can take a little while, what the end result is that person or animal feels sick. So the nice thing about a vaccine is that it can help prevent the disease or lessen the severity of the disease because it gives the body tools to help fight off immunity faster than without the vaccine. Great, great explanation. I like to tell people it's like trying to fight a battle with untrained soldiers. Well, that's a great You are not vaccinated. So yeah, I like that. So I don't want to get 
really, really deep into the weeds of immunology and vaccinology, but there are different types of vaccinations. And I think that my listeners might understand better our recommendations if they understand about those. Can you go over those a little bit? Sure. There are lots of different types of vaccines. In animal health, we typically have maybe three or four different types of vaccines that are most commonly used. And so sometimes you'll hear somebody say a killed vaccine, which is, or other times they'll say inactivated. And basically what that means is the bacteria or virus has been inactivated or killed. That's killed. Then there's modified live. And essentially they're a live virus or bacteria, but kind of been weakened a little bit. And then there's a third type called recombinant vaccines, where basically they take a piece or a part of the whole virus or bacteria and put it into a vector and then put that into the vaccine. Great, great explanation. So there are certain diseases that must be vaccinated for with a killed vaccine, right? Yes, that is correct. The disease that we're talking about here is rabies. So when rabies became a problem in like the 70s, 1970s, we were seeing a lot of cats with rabies and dogs with rabies. And there were several rabies vaccines that came to market. And those vaccines, for cats anyway, were modified live vaccines. What they found was rarely some cats were actually getting rabies from the modified live vaccine because it was a weakened form of rabies. So because rabies is such a potential health risk and a risk to people, they essentially mandated that rabies vaccines must be killed. Um, and so all of the canine rabies vaccines are killed. And then there are some vaccines for cats, which there is an alternative, but um, they are mostly killed as well. Right. Well, so when we say different types like uh, modified live and killed and those, there are also different formulations of each type. Is that right? Yes. Do you mean like the route of administration? Is that what you're asking? Well, so there are different routes and there are also different brands and different types. And um, like as a veterinarian, I have to make a lot of choices. And I don't think my cat owning clients understand that I that I have to filter through. So I was hoping you would, I don't know, back me up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So the really interesting thing I always tell people when a vaccine is approved, that means it is bottom line safe and efficacious. The USDA has done those that testing on it. They have all of those tests that those tests available. You can see them online, uh, what they call the Center for Bi Veterinary Biologics on the USDA website. You can see all the efficacy studies that have been done. But there are key differences in some vaccines. So as I was alluding before, we had that problem with the modified live vaccines in cats causing rabies. And so we had to sort of switch gears and change the way the vaccines were being made. And so we mandated that at that time, the government said that now they have to all be killed vaccines. There are alternatives to that, though. There is a recombinant vaccine for rabies for cats called Purevax vaccines. And that is a non-killed vaccine. It's a recombinant vaccine. So it's not modified live. It's not killed. It's like a just a piece or part of the rabies vaccine put into a vector. Yes, I use Purevax rabies vaccines for cats. So yay, you backed me up. But just to be clear for all of our listeners, rabies vaccine does not cause rabies at all in pets or people, I guess. I don't know, I don't do people, but um, it no longer causes the disease. So I want um, that to not be a fear factor. 
Absolutely. So the reason that essentially there is absolutely no risk of rabies vaccines causing rabies, hands down, absolutely not an issue. This was an issue that happened in the 70s. It was very rare. And now that the vaccines have been modified and changed, there is no risk of that at all. And because it was such a rare thing, but again, rabies is such a potential problem. That was the reason that they made that mandate. Okay, so that's a great segue, though, because we can get back to why we as an industry chose to modify the feline vaccines. And I think that the the next question that I have for you will lead us there. Why do you think someone would be afraid to vaccinate their cat for rabies or or think it was unnecessary to vaccinate their cat? Well, that's an interesting question. And I think that in general, I think there is a lot of information floating out on the internet about vaccines. And sometimes we only hear the scary stories. We don't hear all the good stories, right? And it's hard to prove, right? It's hard for us to say, well, rabies vaccines are working because we don't see a lot of rabies. And that's precisely why we don't see a lot of rabies. Companies have over the years done made tons of effort to vaccinate wildlife for rabies, do mass dog and cat vaccination programs. And we know that those efforts are the reason why we don't see rabies as often. So the first concern is probably safety. And like I said before, the vaccines that are made today are all are amazing. They're all good. They're safe. So that's an important thing to realize. And then the second thing I think is people don't feel like their cat, especially their cat, can be at risk of rabies. And that's actually quite a misunderstanding because there was a paper that came out. There's a paper that comes out every year that looks at incidents of rabies in cats and dogs and wildlife. And what they've shown is that more cats than dogs are exposed to rabies and are diagnosed as rabid, at least over the past few years, than dogs. And One of the things that's very interesting is what they found is that many of these cats are indoor cats or the owners think they're indoor only cats and they get exposed to rabies somehow. Either they get out or they get exposed to a bat, sometimes in the attic of the house. There's many different ways that your cat can be exposed and you might not think that they would be able to be exposed, but they can. So vaccination against rabies is very serious. It is critical that you do it. And the other third piece of this is veterinarians by law are required to vaccinate your cat or dog. That is the one vaccine that is mandated by law. And each of the states have different laws. So when a veterinarian says, I'm recommending a rabies vaccine for your cat or dog, it's mandated by law. And so they are doing it because it's a public health risk. And not just because we're trying to make an extra buck, which I, <laughs> so yes, it is, is definitely a law. Now, rabies is not the only thing that we vaccinate for in cats. And so I talk a lot in my exam room about the American Animal Hospital Association yeah. vaccine guidelines and, and, um, you know, tailoring your vaccine uh, protocol to your specific pet. But I kind of want you to talk about that. Some of the other things we might consider vaccinating for. So just carry on. <laughs> sure. Okay. I'm really glad you brought up those associations. What's really nice in veterinary medicine is we have a lot of support from these large associations that 
essentially have these subject matter experts who have looked through years and years and years of data. They look at infectious diseases. We have infectious diseases experts that sit on these panels and they look and decide which vaccines are what we call core, so recommended for every animal, and which vaccines are recommended for some animals based on their exposure and lifestyle and history, that kind of thing. Those are called non-core vaccines. And AHA, or the American Animal Hospital Association, is one, and they primarily do the canine guidelines and the AAFP, or the American Association of Feline Practitioners. They have guidelines for cats. And the nice thing about their guidelines is that they're available and free online. So if anyone wanted to get onto the AAFP or the AHA website, you can click on the guidelines and read through each and every one. And most veterinarians will look to these guidelines to decide how to vaccinate animals. And it may depend entirely on what they see in that area, right? So if you're, for example, a dog owner in the Northeast, you might want to consider vaccinating for Lyme disease. If say you're in a state that's never seen Lyme disease, you might not want to consider vaccinating your canine patients for that. So when it comes to cats, there are core vaccines that are recommended. And those are upper respiratory disease like herpes virus, Khaleesi virus, and then other diseases like panleukopenia, which is basically the feline equivalent of parvovirus, which many owners are aware, familiar with that term. Those are That's a core vaccine. Other vaccines like feline leukemia, they just mandated or changed the guidelines to say that cats less than one year of age, they've turned the feline leukemia vaccine into a core vaccine. And then as cats get older, they've said now that it can be non-core depending on the cat's lifestyle and risk of exposure. That kind of thing. So once again, and I say this on every show, work with your own veterinarian to find out what is going on in your area and what they recommend. But most really good veterinarians do look at the guidelines because they're they're re-upped and republished every few years so that they're current. I know I look at them all the time and I'm sure Dr. Bearden does as well. Yeah, that's the really nice thing about the guidelines. They're very well written. They have tons of really good information for veterinarians to really help us make educated decisions about how we decide to vaccinate and how and the nice thing about vaccinations, aside from the rabies vaccine, which like I said is mandated by law, we have some freedom to decide how we want to vaccinate, but there is a good protocol for us to follow. So anytime a veterinarian recommends a vaccine, it's because there are years and years of data to support that your pet should get that vaccine at that time. Okay, so I want to take a quick break and then I want to come back and talk a little bit about some of the negative headlines and some of the scary stuff that I imagine some of my listeners have come across. And so we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Kitty Poo Club reinvented the litter box. No more scrubbing that stinky plastic tray or worrying. Oh my God, do my guests smell that? Kitty Poo Club has solved the stink. And now the worst part of cat ownership is hassle-free. No cleaning, no scrubbing, no more stink. And the best thing is you don't have to buy some oversized contraption that will break down. Kitty Poo Club litter boxes are manufactured to make your life easier. You have one cat, easy peasy. A small mountain lion, no problem. You are going to love it. Your cats are going to love it. Believe me, there are good reasons why we sold over 3 million boxes. Go to kittypooclub.com, read the amazing reviews, and when you order, 
save 30% on your first auto ship. Visit kittypooclub.com, use code MEOW30 at checkout, and join the club, the Kitty Poo Club. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. Dr. Tina Bearden and I are talking about vaccinations. How do they work? Why would you choose to do them and what types they are? But I think that the most sensational topic around vaccinations is why you might not want to. And is that accurate? I know that when the world was hit by COVID-19, vaccines sort of became a headline and there were lots of opinions. And some of that controversy sort of spread into the pet market. And so, um, Dr. Bearden, let's talk a little bit about what are the perceived risks of vaccinating cats? Yeah, I think the perceived risks of vaccinating cats are typically what we think of when we think of an quote unquote adverse event. And I think it's really important to differentiate between what is an actual adverse event for a vaccine and what is a normal immune response for a vaccine. Um, But some of the ones that I can think of off the top of my head would be your cat gets sick after a vaccine, right? They vomit or they get some kind of facial swelling or they have diarrhea or they maybe just don't feel themselves. And so I think it's important for owners to educate themselves on say, hey, what's a normal response versus what is a true reaction and do I need to be worried now? And again, with the COVID vaccine, like you mentioned, vaccine headlines were everywhere, right? And in people, I felt like we only heard some of the potentially negative things about the vaccine, and we maybe didn't hear a lot of the good things sometimes. And so what we need to be aware of is that vaccines are safe and efficacious. And I can certainly speak to that from a BI manufacturing perspective. And we shouldn't be concerned about the potential adverse reaction because the risk of not vaccinating is and your animal potentially getting that disease is so much worse than the potential risk of an adverse event and preventing that disease. So I don't know if I worded that the right way, but the the risk is so much higher if you don't vaccinate for a disease because you're scared about the adverse event versus if you vaccinate and actually prevent that disease. It's way better outcome. There are many diseases that these cats cannot recover from. For example, feline leukemia is a great example. If you don't vaccinate your cat for feline leukemia, your kitten for feline leukemia, and it becomes positive for feline leukemia, for some cats, that could potentially be a death sentence. And the risk of any adverse event, usually pretty low when we talk about vaccines. Well, I think that's a really important point that you made because, like I said, in my exam room, I'll I'll get patients from another animal hospital or, or what have you, and they'll say, oh, he has vaccine reactions, which as a veterinarian, I'm like, okay, facial swelling, respiratory distress, that's a vaccine reaction to me. And what they really mean is she didn't feel good for a day or two. Yeah. And that's a very different thing. So, so let's talk about expected, quote unquote, reactions versus anaphylactic reactions. Right, right. That's a great point. So a normal response for a vaccine is lethargy, maybe pain, soreness at the injection site, maybe a fever, a mild fever, just not 
feeling that great. So the cat may just sit in one spot for the day, may eat or drink a little bit, but maybe maybe just not how they normally act. That would be a normal response. A reaction would be something serious or more serious where you would want them to get veterinary attention either that night or by their veterinarian the following day. And that would be any vomiting that is not self-limiting, so continues, or the cat will eat and any facial swelling, that really should require an emergency visit. Anaphylaxis is rare. It's very rare, but signs of anaphylaxis would be signs of, for example, low blood pressure. So the cat is really lethargic, not really responsive, maybe is getting that facial swelling or swelling around their throat or neck or something like that. That would require an emergency visit right away. And again, is very rare. We do see immune responses pretty regularly. We do see those. And to be honest, it's a sign that the vaccine is working because when we give a vaccine, we're giving a large amount of antibodies or antigens to this animal so that they can make a really good immune response. So their white blood cells are working really, really hard and it can result in them just sort of feeling a little under the weather, so to say. Yes. And if my listeners are expecting that, it won't be alarming. And so that's why we're here. I want to teach everybody all of these things. And I, I think it can't be overstated that while your cat is being vaccinated, also he or she is getting a full physical exam. And there may be an, uh, things that your veterinarian will see that you could not. And so seeing your veterinarian with even a strictly indoor cat is very, very important. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, there's been lots of studies that have shown that for every dog that's in the household, there's a cat in, in the household that your customer or your client doesn't talk about. And sometimes you have to ask them at the end of the appointment, do you have any cats in the household? And they'll say, oh, yeah. And they sometimes just don't think about it because that cat is just quietly sitting in their house all day. And so we just have to remember that these cats need vaccines. They need preventative care um, and they need to see their vets regularly um, for checkups. So the last thing I really want to ask you about, can you speak on the headline that vaccines cause cancer in cats? Yeah, um, I absolutely can. So there are, as I was alluding to before, there are different types of vaccines on the market that are approved for cats. And as I was saying before, the well, let's talk specifically about rabies. There are inactivated or killed vaccines for rabies for cats. There is also a recombinant vaccine for cats on the market. The difference between the two is that the killed vaccine has something in it called an adjuvant. And adjuvants have been linked to inflammation. And in cats especially, they can be very sensitive to adjuvants. So when Marielle at the time and now Beringer Ingelheim, they developed a recombinant vaccine using just a piece of the rabies organism. They put it into what we call a canary pox vector, which is like a large virus that you could modify its genome. And they put that into the vaccine. And the nice thing about it is it doesn't need an adjuvant. And so what we can say is that both of these types of vaccines are safe and efficacious. However, not having an adjuvant can be linked to potentially it being less irritating for the cat and causing less inflammation for the cat. And so 
some people have chosen, like Dr. Prim here, to provide the non-adjuvanted vaccine for cats, which is under the label PureVax. And of course, we can't say, oh, definitely, if you're using a, a vaccine with an adjuvant, that's going to cause a problem for sure in that cat. But we do know that if without an adjuvant, there have been lots of studies that show that it creates a lot less inflammation, um, maybe some less swelling at the injection site, which could help prevent problems down the road. That's excellent. So that's why I choose it, just because I'd rather not take a chance on that. And I feel that it's safe and effective. But I do want all my listeners to to realize that Dr. Bearden and I and all the veterinarians in the world agree that your cat should be seen and vaccinated, even if it lives indoors. It might be eligible for some additional vaccines if it does go outside, but, but it's unanimous that we need to see your cat. Right, Dr. Bearden? It is unanimous. It's unanimous. I think they did a study a few years ago and they asked some owners, it was a shelter study, and they many owners that said that their animals were actually indoors, only 2% of those cats were actually indoors. Those cats were actually going out during the day or escaping or running into somebody's yard and they just didn't know it. So yes, very important to take care of your indoor only cats. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. I think this has been a really, really good and informative show. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I want to thank my amazing producer, Mark Winter, because he's wonderful. And without him, Nine Lives with Dr. Cat could not exist. And most of all, I want to thank my listeners who support me all the time. And I want you all to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.